Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. Walking through the forest, and I just came off the busy road. I'm walking uh, another training run. And usually, I try to measure my kilometers very, very uh, precisely, because I don't want to overdo it and get an injury. Uh, but when I saw that, so normally I walk alongside the the, the traffic because it's the shortest uh, shortest way back home. But then I saw that there was an entry that went into the woods, and so I was like, okay, I I so much prefer walking here because it's quieter. I can still hear the traffic on my left, and then uh, on my right side, a little bit behind me, there's this faint sound of a generator sounded like a pump or something and then I heard a lot of uh, girls screaming children and I realized it's it's uh, what you hear is the generator for a swimming pool <laughs> like an inf- a big inflatable swimming pool and these kids are are jumping around in the water there so that's probably a very good thing to do at the end of a warm day I'm already happy that I have the shadow of the trees and, uh, and and just something else underneath my feet than uh, hard concrete and stone. How much have I done now? I am... Um, 106. That's very normal for my heart rate. So I've I walked 38 kilometers. I still have about four, four or five to go. So I apparently took a few detours because normally my itinerary that I planned was exactly 40 kilometers. Oh well, almost home. Hey, today I wanted to share with you uh, some tips on public speaking. (laughs) This is something I do a lot and uh, maybe not all of you, but every once in a while, even if it's on a party where people ask you to uh, do a speech or something like that. There are moments in our lives where you have to stand in front of an audience, big or small, and say something in public. And that is not always easy to do. Uh, depends a, a bit on your experience, maybe also on your character. Some people really dread speaking in front of an audience. But there are things that you can learn, uh, things that I've discovered over the years of, of doing a lot of public speaking that may help you and give you some ideas what to do when you are asked in the future to say something in public. Now, before I start, uh, I want to talk about a very famous saint, uh, Saint Francis. You all know his uh, story or his life. Oh, wait a minute. This road brings me back to the, to the highway. That's not what I planned. I hope to be a little bit more in the woods. Oh, well. Sorry about that. So <laughs> anyway, one day, like me, St. Francis was in the woods. And this time it was not just to take a stroll or because he wanted to meditate or seek loneliness and mortification like he often did. This time he was in the forest because he was a bit disconcerted put it mildly. What was uh, going on? He had been in church preaching and explaining the gospel and the Bible readings. 
And he noticed that no one was listening. People in the church were asleep, distracted, not paying attention, talking amongst each other. And the story goes that St. Francis was so uh, disturbed by that and mad. You know what? I'm, I see another road back into the woods. That's what I'm going to follow. <laughs> another reason I do this is because there are lots of bikes on the, on the sidewalk and they are coming downhill, so they're going very, very fast. And sometimes that creates dangerous situations if I'm walking there. So uh, he was, uh, well, I don't know if he was bitter. I don't know much about his state of mind, but he was irked. And he, he was like, I, I, if people don't pay attention, I'm just going to go into the forest. I'll just preach to the birds. That's what he did. He started to, to uh, preach to the animals of the forest. And uh, soon not only the birds were listening, but also the rabbits and the squirrels and all the other wild animals came to sit around him and listen to his preaching. This is such a famous story that it was even uh, immortalized on a fresco in, I think, the main basilica in Assisi. And it's a uh, it's one of the most famous images. It's uh, part of the reason that that St. Francis became the patron saint of animals. Of course, there's also the story of the wolf that was eating up people from the nearby town and he negotiated with the wolf and <laughs> that also uh, solidified his uh, reputation of being good with animals. But the thing is, the fact that the the... The story is still so well known and so iconic for St. Francis in itself is a story. It's like a meta story. Because of course on the literal level you could, all, you could ask, well, but St. Francis, maybe you were just boring. <laughs> maybe there was a good reason that people want, didn't want to listen to you. Uh, we don't know. Maybe people were, were tired. There's a, lo a lot you can say about that. But the thing is the, the meta story of why exactly this image is so powerful and has survived and is much more uh, known than, let's say, the contents of, of uh, undoubtedly the very saintly, pious homilies of, of St. Francis was that uh, uh, he, uh, uh, the, the story paints a picture it tells a story of, of, it starts with a failure, it starts with drama. Here's this, this saint, renowned for his charism, and nobody wants to listen. That's just like in Jesus' time, when people walked away from him, you know, who can listen to a guy like this? And, and everybody starts walking away, and then Jesus turns to his apostles and asks them, do you want to walk away too? And then, of course... They say, well, Peter says, uh, Lord, to, who would, to whom would we go? You have words of eternal life. So in a certain way, this story of Francis with the animals is a reflection of the life of Jesus, uh, emphasizing that St. Francis is a bit like Jesus. That's why he's a saint. You know, saints are people that resemble Jesus in their actions. And so uh, 
so tired. I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> this path through the woods is the, the the road is covered in branches and it's a little bit uneven. And I can tell that my feet are like, really? Are you doing this to me now after 38 kilometers? Cut it out. Oh, well. But uh, the so it starts with this image of that re- resembles the gospel and what happens to Jesus and it's it all also has a happy ending it, it's got this this success where the animals gather around replacing the humans showing giving the right example uh to to the to the the people uh, the townspeople that's a wonderful story everybody can relate to everybody ima- immediately imagines the birds and the squirrels and the and the rabbits right so uh, again this road leads me back to the to the traffic <laughs> there's no escape no matter how often i try to get into the woods it just doesn't let me i thought there was would be like a parallel road that w- led me to uh to the rectory but oh oh well um and so what can we learn of the success of this story it has to do with one of the most powerful aspects of public speaking or and that is uh the, the power of visualization. An image is worth a thousand words, right? Well, that's exactly what you should remember whenever you have to speak in public. It's very hard to focus on theory. It's very easy to focus on a story that you can imagine, that you can picture. And so that's tip number one. Instead of just conveying information, always tell a story. Even if you only have to deliver a speech with info or data or whatever, add a story and you'll see that the entire perception of your talk changes and changes in a positive way. Say, for instance, that you are working for a firm and the boss asks you to do a presentation of our financial numbers in the third quarter of this year. I want to hear exact numbers, statistics, trends, how are we doing, profit margins, uh, brand recognition, whatever. Well, of course, what normally happens is that people prepare a couple of uh, spreadsheets, some uh, PowerPoint slides with uh, bullet points, and then they just give the numbers, right? In the first week of the third quarter, uh, we saw like a stabilization and blah, blah, blah. And then we had a 5% increase in, uh, in membership. And most people will just glaze. <laughs> Their eyes will glaze. They will think, okay, well, the boss wants this. Uh, we'll wait for the, for the paper version. <laughs> We, we have to be here, but thank goodness uh, in an hour it's going to be five o'clock and I can go home. But another approach would be to count, to recount a story of one of those people that is part of those statistics and numbers and say, well, you know, hey, I was, I was coming to work uh, and it was, a, it was a 
Thursday afternoon. And I remember because that was the day that the 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 New York uh, whatever football players won against so and so. And I was uh, I we were, we were waiting. I was I couldn't wait to get home to uh, to get my uh, chicken wings and uh, sit in front of the TV watch that match. But at that moment when I was already packing my stuff, I get a phone call and, and it's this old, older sounding lady on the other side of the, of the line and she introduces herself as Margaret and, uh, and she has a question. Uh, she's, been, she's been buying our product for nine years now and at first it was just because it was the brand that her husband used. But when he passed away, it was one of the ways in which he could keep his memory alive was like every time I get this package from this firm, reminds me of my husband who enjoyed this so much. But then after a while, the economy got worse and she, she got like, you know, financially, you know, tight situation and didn't really need our product. And so she, she gives us a call and, and asks, do you have something cheaper? And then uh, at that moment, I remembered my own grandmother, who at the end of her life uh, also had to really think about the way she spent her money. She wanted to make sure she had a bit of a buffer. So I could relate to what she was saying. And at the same time, I also wondered, what can we mean to her uh, as, a, as a company? How can we help her? And then I remembered that in our portfolio, we have a very different product, which is exactly what she needed. It's going to be, it's, uh, it's going to help her if she, she can use it on a day-to-day basis. Plus, it's a lot cheaper than what she used to buy from us previously. And so I told her that, uh, that, that, that we had that option and that maybe she, could, she wanted to try it out. We could send her a few free samples. She could, and she would be totally free to, you know, if she didn't like it, to send it back and to uh, stop subscribing to our to our product line, and that would be totally understandable. And then, uh, and she was so grateful, and she hung up and she said, "You know what? I'm going to give it a try. I'm so happy that you guys have been there for nine years, and you've always provided my husband with your products. Uh, you have a special place in my heart." And then you start talking about the number. She was just one of those clients that moved from category A to category B. And she remained a happy customer up until the day that she died. Plus, she, she made me feel that was worth sticking around, even though I wanted to go home for the match. But I was so glad that I got that phone call because it made me realize how much... I value working for this company because we have an impact on people's lives. Now, keep in mind, I told you this story, right? You could picture the scene. You also thought of chicken wings. (laughs) I haven't even told you what this firm sells. I don't have a clue because I just made this up. There is no (laughs) old lady there, but it shows you how much if you tell that story and then you follow up with a few, like like the main numbers, and then of course you need to have a printout, 
and then you say you keep it short and simple what people will remember of that talk is that story of that old lady and it will give them also pride that they work for this company which is much more important than the numbers the boss could have gotten the numbers in an email but what you have done is to change the people to touch the people that work for the company this is the power of storytelling and this is what you should use whenever people ask you to speak in public. Tell stories. Now, in order to tell a good story, there are a few requirements. First of all, you need to know who you're talking to. Who are the people that I'm addressing and what is their world? What is their cultural reference? Like the reason that I talked about chicken wings and uh, a football match on TV and, and they use New York is that the majority and I know this statistically the majority of you that are listening not all of you but uh, the majority is from the United States and watching football on TV and eating glazed chicken wings with hot sauce is a thing it's not a thing in Europe <laughs> it, it's it's, it's just not something we do, but I, I know that, well, at least for the majority of my audience, this is an image that they can probably picture. The old lady that I described, something we can all picture. We all know old ladies, and we all have a grandmother in one way or one form or another. And so this is how you could relate to that story that I told. And the product itself, the numbers were completely irrelevant. You could grasp the story and maybe even feel a little bit what that story did uh, just by, by relating to it from your own experience. So that is, is, is very important. You can, you can also, if you have a mismatch between the world of your audience and the world you picture in your story, it doesn't work because people have no idea what you're talking about. This is one of the main reasons that in my homilies in the parish, I never talk about movies or Star Wars, maybe very, very rare, just in a, in a kind of like a side thought, and I will always explain it in the context of another story that they can understand. Like one day I did a homily about something I had experienced during this fantasy festival, and then I talked a little bit about how people dressed up, and there may be the occasional stormtrooper that stopped by, but it's not, that was not the, the core of the message uh, and of the story. I described the setting, the castle, the people in all sorts of fancy costumes and people dressed up like princes and princesses and, 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 and magicians and whatnot. Uh, it was very easy for everyone to have at least some kind of mental image of that. Now, the reason that you want people to latch on to the story uh, and being able to identify is the stronger the identification, the more effective your message is. And I make sure the next time, uh, the next step, that your story is a story and not just like a pretext to dump information. Make sure that the story evolves, that there is a change, that there is a beginning, a problem. And then there, there, there is someone who may be able to find a solution, but there are struggles, there are, there are problems to overcome, solutions to find, and then ultimately, you have this, this, this resolution where the, the, the solution presents itself. 
So that there's always like the beginning, the middle part and the end. The third part, of course, is the payoff. The third part or the third act has no power if the second act is not engaging. So make sure that the second act is where everything happens. And the more you describe the, the problems, the challenges, the unexpected uh, events, the more you will get people's attention. Because if you create contrast, people will want to look for, okay, so well, what happens? So build, build a story with tension. Now, another trick is to begin the story, but to not immediately pay it off. Because the moment you finish the story, that's where people start to, to uh, wander off mentally. Because then you've already given the reward. What you can do is open the story, then make a jump to the core of your, of your message, and then show how the end of the story kind of ties it all together and, and wraps it all up. So in the case of this presentation, this business presentation, I would leave the decision of that old lady all the way to the end. I'd say, and then she said to me something I'll never forget, uh, which I'm going to tell you in a minute. But let me first tell you in the, in the numbers where this old lady is. And then at the end, so, and then she said to me, blah, blah, blah. And that made me feel proud. So that makes, uh, makes it much more likely that people will stay focused until the end. Now, of course, you should never abuse the structure, the, the, this, this rhetoric trick to go on forever and ever, because at one point people will not care anymore about the ending. They will just wanna, want this whole thing to end, the talk to end. So uh, be concise, always communicate the core of what you do. And if you have too much information, people are not gonna retain it. A talk is always a verbal thing. So if it's important for them to have the numbers or to have specific information that is too detailed to convey, Put it on a sheet and hand it out later on. Make sure uh, that you have like an appendix. Uh, if you're in a business situation, uh, attach it to your PowerPoint so that if the boss asks you, but hey, I want to see that spreadsheet, you just forward to the end of your presentation where you have all the numbers and you say, oh, here it is. By the way, I have a copy of that. Let's go back to the story. Um, and another thing is just get rid of the PowerPoint the bullet points, you know, the, the, the texts on PowerPoints. Nobody reads them. They, they, that's a very unfortunate uh, a, a consequence of, of having the, this ability to project PowerPoint presentations. Well, people will just spell out all the various aspects of their talk. Instead, consider using pictures, uh, just an image. Maybe the image is related to the story that you tell. Maybe you show a picture of an old lady, someone on a phone or a, a plate of, of chicken wings, right? <coughs> Those images will linger much longer in their minds than the data. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I would recommend is how you use your voice. Um, try, if possible, to make sure that you can speak the way you normally speak when you're telling a story to one person. If you're in a room where you have to lift your voice, where there's a lot of echo, 
where the, the sound system is bad, uh, you're already at a disadvantage. Because the more casual you sound, the more your talk sounds like a one-on-one, the more people are going to feel like this is, this is between you and me. This is why when I was studying radio, radio production, my teacher always said, you're not talking to 10,000 listeners, even though there may be 10,000 listeners. You're talking to one person. It's between you and him or between you and her. And so always keep that in mind. Picture one person that you're talking to. That will keep it informal. And this is something that even today on, on radio, uh, some presenters will still use the plural. It's like, uh, welcome all of you listeners. And then, <laughs> but the one person who's listening to you doesn't know about the 999 other listeners. So just say, hey, great that you're listening. Just talk as if you're talking to one person and you'll have people's attention much bit better than when you're trying to address a crowd. Unless you are addressing a crowd, like in talk shows, for instance, like Stephen Colbert, when he starts his show, is like, welcome, uh, all of you, one and all, I'm, I'm Stephen Colbert, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then, but it, he's playing the crowd. But normally when you do a talk, it's better to address one person. I think I'm there. I think I walked 40 kilometers. 117 heart rate. And it's because I'm going uphill. And I'll have to go uphill for a few more kilometers. This is a big hill. And then there's one last descent to, to the rectory. I'll, I'll be so glad to be home. My feet are hurting. It's warm. I'm tired and exhausted. <laughs> but... Uh, this is where sometimes you need a little bit of willpower. I'm all about habits, but a little bit of willpower, like this extra, let's go for it. This will soon be over. This too shall pass. That kind of pep talk <laughs> sometimes helps. Um, speaking of which, uh, pep talk in, its, in a speech, uh, reserve it for the last part. This is where you want to do the call to action. Never just speak without engaging the audience and invite them to, to participate. It can be as simple as if you're talking on a, uh, an anniversary or something like that, or jubilee. Um, you, you, you tell a little story of the, 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 the people that are celebrating. I say, and that is why I want to invite you all, after having heard all this, to give a round of applause for so-and-so. Let's give it up. And then everybody applauds. And then maybe you sing a song or something like that. But engage people. And always end with a call to action that is short and memorable. You may even want to just write it down. Memorize it. Don't leave it to that, like the inspiration of the moment. Make sure that your final words matter. It's like sometimes I hear these homilies and it just kind of, it's almost as if a, the priest doesn't know how to end it. And it just at one point it just says amen and then there's like oh is it finished but but try to make the last phrase 
matter. Give people some food for thought. Ask a question. Summarize your talk. It's another trick that I learned from a Jesuit priest. He said, at the end of my homily, I always do so. Just to summarize. So this is what happened in the gospel. These are my three thoughts. One, two, three. And this is what I ask you to... And this, this would be my question for you. And he asks the question, Amen. And then let's take some time in silence to think about that last question. That's a perfect way to end a short speech. So, you know what? I could continue for hours, but then you're going to forget about all the other tips. I have much more to share, but I'm going to keep it for another day. Hope this was helpful. Thank you so much. And I'll talk a little bit more about a storytelling-related project that I am currently developing. It's in early stages uh, during the extra mile that I record for my patrons. If you're curious, if you want to join me in this mission to reach new people and to help them discover things like the power of storytelling, but also help them to tell the story of their own lives, be inspired by the story of, of the gospel, how faith can, can help them to form the story of their lives, change the story of the world. If you want to join me in that mission, become a part of that Patreon community. I really value your contribution, your help. Without you, I would never be able to do what I do. And the more people support this mission, the more we can do. So thank you so much. Check it out at patreon.com slash fatherodrick. You see, I end with a strong call to action. (laughs) All right. Take care and thanks for listening. Bye.